0: You're really going to love today's story, and it means a lot to me personally. I'll tell you why. Because about a year, nearly two years ago, in fact, a guy called Adam Wilson in the UK, a guy who is or was at the time employed working for an international training company, he wrote to me and asked me about, well, looking for advice in effect, about whether he should, uh, could leave his well paid job and work for himself, start his own training business and he complimented me on several episodes of the show, and I thought, wouldn't it be lovely to, to watch this guy grow? I'd love to feel that someone out there has gotten value from the show, has listened to the wonderful guests I've had on over the past couple of years, and and take that and put the whole thing into action. And this is what the guy's done. Adam has really, really impressed me by taking his fears, his hopes, his dreams, and doing something about them. Adam could have stayed in his role. Instead, he took the leap, and the whole thing's paid off. And as you'll hear in today's episode, Adam went from no sales to 100,000-plus in sales this year. So he's going to talk about where he's come from, his origin story, the thinking, the thought process that he went through, both with friends, family, loved ones, and himself, to make this decision, the things he's learned along the way, and the exciting direction in which he's taking his business next. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host,
1: Mark Garrett-Hayes.
0: Hi, my name is Mark. I'm the host of this Training Business Podcast. This is the show for people just like you and me. People who are practitioners, trainers, facilitators, coaches, consultants. If you make your living, if your passion is in the area of making your living from selling what you do, what you know, your expertise, your programs, your workshops... This is the weekly podcast for people just like you and me, because this is what this show is all about, helping to bring you a step further on your training business journey as a business owner, selling programs, attracting high paying customers. And this is the reason why every single week I love to listen to people like you who tell me what they'd like from the show, the kinds of guests, authors, books, resources, And I do my best to bring these people to you. And today I'm really excited about bringing a story of a listener who at the time was working in the business of training, but thought about the merits of leaving that secure role and going out on his own. And it's my pleasure, real pleasure to bring Adam Wilson to you today. Adam, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Um, We've been connected for quite a while and it's been a long time coming. I'm delighted to have you on and we'll explain why. Um, To give people listening some background here, you left school according to your website and according to conversations I had, you left school with dreams to coach football in the US. (laughs) You got a job selling pet insurance. Brilliant. And you were promoted then at 23 to be a sales trainer. And then I think back in January, 2016, Uh, nearly six years ago, you realized you had a knack for selling electrical goods. I mean, talk about a niche within a niche. Then you joined an international training company. You were promoted to head of training and then decided to go solo. So let's start there. What prompted you to work for yourself as a trainer?
1: Oh um, yeah, let's start there. Firstly, thank you for having me on. As you know, we've said this off air, but I'm a huge fan, and 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 much of your podcast actually is is why I'm where I'm at at the moment. So I feel like I've kind of gone full circle here, going from um, (laughs) a listener, a (laughs) a listener, a listener with nothing but a dream to being able to uh, finally be invited as a guest on your show. So that's it for me. Career's done. I can retire. <laughs> I'll be a I'll be a happy man. I've achieved the goal that I wanted to achieve. But yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, why why a trainer and, and why in electrical um, is a great question. And I think to understand that, um, I have to look at what I was like as, a, as an employee first uh, before I decided to, to go solo. Uh, so, I, management and sales training is is my background. I've done that for 13, 14 years across. Numerous industries, um, banking, media, car sales, and and a bit of recruitment as well. Uh, But I've always thought of myself as um, extremely commercial, I would say, especially as as a sales trainer. I think there's lots of people that are out there in training roles that maybe it is just the job. Uh, they turn up and they'll deliver a course, and 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 that's that. But I, uh, I think for me, I, I've always and this has been a challenge actually. I've always wanted to make sure I'm influencing the bottom line. I've always wanted an ROI and everything that I've done, um, even as a even as an employee, where you're going to get your salary regardless of the uh, influence that you've had on the. You're going to get your salary regardless of the numbers that you've delivered for a company. Um, so that then was a bit of a lightning bolt for me in realizing potential value. Um, so one of the things I am, I'm, I'm known for is delivering a, a, what's known cold call clinic, which is prospecting telephone sales and ringing people up. And
0: Right. Is that, that's a brand of yours. Is it cold call clinic?
1: Yeah, it is. And I, I realize the name is a bit daunting. And if I'm honest, the session's a bit daunting as well, because it's all centric around cold calling and prospecting. And and I suppose how it was different is that typically, rather than a full day or a full week or a few days of training, it would just be half a day. Um, so I'd give half a day sales training, but the other half of the day would be spent on, on the doing, on the practical element. So of course, that means there's no escape for salespeople, where in the past... Uh, I may have delivered sessions and sort of crossed my fingers and hope that people will use it by doing it this way and almost enforcing it immediately after the learning. Um, I was able to make sure, you know, make sure that people were using it. Hence it's, hence it's daunting name clinic. And, uh, as if you were going to see the doctor sort of thing for, for help with prospecting and, and telephone sales. So it wasn't until I started doing that session, I started to look at the, the ROI of that because I was in control. And of course, by doing the live element in the afternoon, I was able to see things through end to end, which you don't often get as a a trainer. Um, But because it was in the classroom and we were all together, it was manageable and I was able to look at the numbers. I was like, wow, you know, one guy in in one of the first cold call sessions that I did um, uh, sold a lighting job for 30K. And that was, you know, 30 grand off the back to a brand new customer cold call there and then in the classroom. And and that was the moment really that I thought yeah, I the, the, I could see the value of what I was doing and I could see the value to a business of what I was doing and um and that was the the turning point that made me want to go solo yeah
0: okay so I'll jump in here to clarify you something you and I have in common is that we're both in sales training now people might think well hang on a sec this is all about sales training today I think I'll tune out please don't there are a couple of parallels here which are very relevant. It's one thing that a lot of people who are self-employed, working for themselves as consultants, as trainers, as facilitators, don't do or don't like to do, and it's the lead generation. It's the cold calling, and it's what you train people in. But it's something that we can't get away from because we have to do this for ourselves. We have to think of running a business and generating leads. So just to clarify, you were working, uh, training people specifically in selling goods. So I think that's worth clarifying. What is your niche exactly? You mentioned selling a lighting job for 30,000 or helping someone to sell a lighting or a lightning, I'm confusing my words here, a lighting job or contract for 30,000. So let's clarify for people listening. What is exactly do you help people to sell and why do they need you?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and if I'm honest, I didn't know the answer to that at the start. I, I fell into this industry six or seven years ago and knew very little about electrical wholesalers or what, what it was that they did. And
0: okay. So that's your, that's your niche. You help electrical wholesalers. Okay. So who would that be? What kind of companies?
1: So electrical wholesalers, um, suppliers, distributors, and, and manufacturers as well. So typically what they would do is they'd sell to an installer or a contractor or an electrician. The the, the bulk of their customers comes from um, electricians. Um, However, it's now getting to a point where it's easier to think of places they can't sell to than they can. So contractors make up a large portion of it, but there's also retail, you know, they might be fitting a, somebody might be fitting a new shop or shopping center and that requires electrical goods. Of course, it might be leisure, you know, g- gyms. Um, it could be swimming pools. It, it, you know, it could be anything in, in the leisure industry. It could be manufacturing uh, machinery uh, which is an interesting market in itself, because for those guys, they're not price driven, unlike some of the others, and and for them, it might be more about getting a particular item fast. Because while they've got a machine down, they're, they're hemorrhaging money, so it could be manufacturing, it could be healthcare, you know, hospitals, it could be hospitality with hotels. So I quickly learned that this is a fascinating industry. In the in in a lot of ways, to to, to many people, it's deemed as unsexy. You know, these these guys are selling cable sockets, switches, lighting.
0: But this is big money.
1: But this is big money. And when you're in it, and, and, and I fell into it, when you're in it, you realize that this is big money. So to put it into perspective, I coach a few people privately, um, and one of them did 130 grand, earned 130 grand last year, selling cable sockets and switches. Um, it's also a booming industry, of course, because we've got things like solar, uh, which changed the game. You've now got EV, which is everywhere, isn't it? Car charge, car charge points, So it's huge and electrical wholesalers in the UK market, the 729 hundreds and hundreds of more suppliers in there as well. So I realized that this is a a big enough market for me. And when I was preparing, but it's
0: also a niche because you're one of very few people who specialize in training people who sell these kinds of things.
1: Yeah, it's extremely niche. So long winded way of answering your question. I, I decided to pursue this out of frustration opportunity, and value, uh, frustration in that the, the, there weren't many people doing it. And those that were doing it weren't doing it in a sense that like the cold call clinic, for instance, where it was measurable and everything was commercial. Huge opportunity and market research and great, great value. So let's
0: let's come back then, if I may, to to you, because I think I think people are clear now what you do and whom you do it for. You took the leap out of working as a trainer for a training company. Um, Talk to us about the conditions that made you think, "Is this the right thing for me?" I mean, financially, um, was it the brightest thing to do at the time? Were there there, there pressures telling you, "Don't do it, don't go back, work as a trainer for someone else, don't go into self-employment"? Yeah,
1: all of those, all of the above. It was, it was the most difficult time, and of course, timing-wise, I did this at the very start of COVID, which as a face-to-face trainer, typically that's what I've I've done for the last 15 years. Overnight, that that was gone. Like many of the, you know, I've listened to your shows before, like many people, that's affected many people. But to start a business during that time um, was probably a bit mad, a a bit ludicrous, and, and that had a heap of challenges and frustrations and a lot of questioning myself if I'd done the right thing or not, of course there was temptation for me to quit and, and get a job, uh, particularly when I suppose the pro, the pro of niching down so much as you've said there is that you get very specific. You, you eliminate a lot of your competition and you're no longer the jack of all trades. Um, it's easier and it's faster to create and own a personal brand and you can reach out to your target audience and become a figure of authority quite quickly, and that's what I always, you know, that's what I always wanted to do. But the con of that, of course, uh, is that it's going to take longer. The sales cycle might be might be longer to get your ideal customer. So I was tempted, you know, I was thinking, am I doing the right thing by niching down? And I know the word niche is commonly used when people set up businesses. I'd niched not just in the business, but the industry and the offering as well. So it was hyper you know, hyper niche in what I did. And I had conversation with friends and family who, and other business owners who said, no, I think, I think the first thing you should do is replace your income as fast as possible. And the fastest way to do that would be to sell what you know and, and, and offer your services to anyone that will take it. But in the back of my mind, I used to ask myself the same question all the time. Whenever I was feeling down, does what I do have genuine value if people will apply it?
0: Can I ask you a, a straightforward question then? Did you do anything to um, test the waters and, and maybe convince your, uh, your family um, there is an opportunity here? Bear with me, you know, have confidence in my choice. Uh, did you do anything which, which convinced you, yes, there's proof here, this, is, this has got legs, or there is potential?
1: I think other than what I'm sure most people do, which is take a real good look at the market not really I, you know you mentioned that convincing friends family partners that, it, that when that happened it was as if I was selling the idea to them but deep down I knew that this idea had legs as you put it because I looked at the size of the market I looked at how many electrical wholesalers there were in the UK I looked at how many suppliers manufacturers and, and distributors were out there and I also studied the competition as well so I, I knew that there was there was really only one other company that had niched down as much as I did but they did it from a a, a niche down business. So they were very much training business with different trainers, specializing in in different parts of, you know, the sales cycle. I was doing this more of a, a solo brand, a solopreneur, you'd probably call it, uh, where it was just me. So I was, I was doing the whole thing. So it's interesting now because I, I do think quite often about what if I'd quit, what if I'd quit, what if I'd quit. But I recently attended a meeting where somebody, this is a prospect said to me, um, don't give us anyone else. You know, even if you've got other trainers where we only want you. And I thought, yeah. And I thought that's, that's happened through time. Of course, perseverance, persistence, uh, um, all my marketing on LinkedIn and all the prospecting. And now I am known as the electric sales trainer, which is, which is the branding that that's the brand. And that was a purposeful brand to try and reach out to my audience, reach out to the people that will buy my stuff as fast as possible.
0: And that's your brand. Of course. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's a very small market, but I, I hope I have. And, uh, yeah, I toyed around with other ideas of, um, you know, the, the, the most controversial sales train and the best sales train. And that, when you look on LinkedIn and you look at what everybody else is doing, which I spent a lot of time doing, um, you realize that everybody wants to be the best or everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to be the greatest, but nobody was owning the market. Nobody was owning the electrical market. Um, So I thought, well, that's, that's what I know. That's the industry. You and I know probably that sales training is a transferable skill into other industries. Of course it is. But in our clients and in our prospects mind, they want someone that gets them. They want someone that understands their world, understands their frustrations and, and gets their problems as well this is a challenge. This is something early on, you know, early on I used to get hung up on was, was the amount of engagement you would get from LinkedIn in in the same way, how many successful prospecting calls. And if you get a lot of engagement on your post, I'd feel happy. You know, I've done, I've done great today. Um, and if I didn't, I wouldn't, but I've learned that that is a dangerous thing to do. So time has proven that I've earned business from posts that have got little or no engagement because so yeah so when i followed this through at meeting he's oh, i remember that post you did and i was like dear because you didn't like it and you didn't post on it and we've never had a, a dm before but he was sat there silently agreeing with what i was putting so that you know often you have to be controversial about salespeople to do that to get the attendance this is the problems that the managing directors have got rather than the problems that the, the sales people have got because that's who i'm trying to get in front of I mean, a lot of salespeople will say that they don't need or want to buy sales training anyway, that they, it's, it could potentially be beneath them or they don't need it, uh, whereas the managing director um, may look at that and think, well, if this can if this can increase the number of accounts or it can give us a spike in, in sales revenue or I can move my margin by 2%, uh, then this is probably worth following up. So it, it sometimes requires being very controversial and, and saying... Things that maybe not a lot of other people would say about. Sales. And bear in mind, I am one myself, a, a salesperson myself. So, um, in order to get the attention of the person that makes the decision,
0: and I think that's in a way, it's a it's a double. Um, in, you're a salesperson in two ways: one, you're training salespeople, but also you're selling your own services as a trainer. Um, let's come. Let's look at numbers here for a second, and thank you for your um, honesty in advance. Uh-huh. How successful were you to start <laughs> off with?
1: <laughs> oh right, so I kind of have to. Answer it was that a struggle. Question. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Interesting, loaded question. There, yeah, it was a struggle, and and, and I don't mind sharing it. And, and when you invited me on, I, in the back of my mind, I thought if I can reach somebody that was in the same position. I was in.
0: We've all been there, haven't we? You know, oh my God, crickets. No one's no one's actually phoning me back or no one's asking me for training. Yeah. What do I do?
1: Yeah, I, I got little bits. I mean, because I've been in the industry for a while, people move around quite a lot. They might have gone from one supplier to another or one wholesale to another and say, hey, I know a good sales trainer who can help us with um, getting our live trading accounts up, for instance. Let me introduce you. So little bits came that way. I also got little bits from salespeople themselves. I mean, during COVID and uh, people had more time; they were working from home, so it, it allowed me to do some coaching sessions one to one. But but when I say little bits, I, I mean little bits. Uh, nothing was I, right,
0: so almost zero. I mean, you know, literally negligible. Keeping the door open, kind of stuff. Keeping the the lights on.
1: Just about, yeah. Well, well it, even that, even that was a struggle. So, I, no qualms in saying whatsoever that I had to rely on help. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I've got a supportive fiance. Um, Covid, the government was set up to help people like me, and um, I didn't leave from bad terms. I didn't leave on bad terms from the company that that, that I was with. Uh, so I was fortunate in some way. But yeah, it, it was it was definitely a struggle. There was there was times where I was deciding right which bill am I not paying this month, sort of thing. <laughs> or, uh, what what kind of baked beans am I having this? Time? That that was the level of struggle uh, I, I was in. And I and I think if you
0: when you when you contacted me, you actually were in two minds as to whether to actually make that jump. And I think I remember saying to you something like, well, the question is to ask yourself, I mean, I could give you an answer, but I'd like you to ask yourself a question, which is, will you regret not doing this? Yeah,
1: yeah, there was two There was that I would have absolutely regret not doing this because I'd sort of toyed with the idea for a while. So I, I was prepared in sense of a business plan, and I don't mean anything com- complicated. I just looked at market research, you know, if I, if I make this hyper-niche and stick to the electrical industry, are there enough businesses out there to feed me? That's That was the extent of my business plan. Uh, there was reaching out to you. Um, will you regret this? I would have definitely re- regret this. COVID for me was was well, a positive in some ways because I, I'm the kind of person that will over-procrastinate about something like this, in particular the launch of a, of a business and wanting it to succeed. So it, reading far too many business books and watching far too many videos and doing too too much learning and not enough applying. And COVID hit, and in a in sense, that gave me no choice. It was exactly the kick up the arse that I needed um, because I know that if, if that had not happened, I would have probably still been lingering away. So, so there was you. I also reached out to a second mentor. So I got you and I got a guy called Benjamin who, uh, this was a five-second phone call. I called him and said, the same thing I said to you is I'm thinking of doing this. Um, it's a bit wary and a bit scary. What do you think? And he said, well, hang on, you're a sales trainer. And if I'm reading what you're saying, right, you're, you're, you're concerned that you might not be able to sell training. I was like, oh yeah, I, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess that is, I guess that is what I'm saying. And it was like, "You should do it. Um, and if you if you if it doesn't work, uh, it, you weren't right for it. You know, your, your, your sales training wouldn't have worked anyway." So I was like, "It was very short, sweet, very direct kind of guy. Great guy, uh, straight to the point, very direct." And it, it changed everything for me because it made me think of this in a completely different way. Uh, so, it, it, but in the hard times, like I say, I always ask the question: Is there any logical reason why what I teach won't work? No, there isn't. So I either shut up yeah i either shut up and get on with it or i quit and get a job
0: so you then i mean 2021 has been a good year for you fair to say
1: it has yeah
0: so tell us why what were the big kind of breakthroughs and you don't have to give us numbers but um let's just say it was a very good year
1: it, it, it was a very good year. Yeah. So
0: your first hundred K year,
1: it was my first, yeah, hundred K year. So I was in, in 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. So I was ecstatic about that. Yeah. And I remember, I remember messaging you to tell you it was, it was, it was a great year. Uh, the run rate, the run rate at the moment is, is, is really good. And it's probably getting to a, a point now where I need to pivot the business a bit and think about scale and, think about what I've created now, because essentially some people might say what I've done is I've created myself a a well-paid job rather than... Okay. What's run rate though for people listening? So so the run rate, so I learned this mainly from my accountant. So the, the run rate is almost like a prediction. If you carry on at the rate you've got now, so on the deals that you've got signed, on the contracts that you've got out there, if you carry on at that, here's what you'll achieve. Here's what you'll achieve per month and here's what you'll achieve per annum. It's almost like um, OTE for an employee's on target earnings a bit.
0: Yeah, it's predictable revenue for a training business owner. It is. That's exactly what it is. So you've got stuff in the pipeline. I mean, you're a sales trainer. You're familiar with this concept of pipeline, obviously, of having deals, having contracts lined up. Tell us how you got the big stuff, because I was saying to you, you know, how could you expand this? What kind of value could you add? But you had some great breakthroughs here, I mean, on your own. Um, what conversations did you have? What products did you offer? What size of deals, without mentioning company names, and, and how did you get those?
1: Yeah, well, it, it, it's all about the niche. So the the, up, the, the upfront planning was critical. So I, I'm saying all I did was a, a, a business plan on market size. it probably wasn't. I was crystal clear from the off on who I did want to serve which was the industry and, and working for managing directors. But I was also crystal clear now what I didn't want. And I, I'm, that's that's probably a tip I would leave with anybody who's thinking about doing this, is not, not, not just think about what you want, but also think about what you really don't want and have the guts to stick to that. Because there were times where I could have breached my own contract on what I didn't want and perhaps taken a, a, a job that was a one-off when I knew... I didn't want to do any one-offs or maybe outside of the industry, despite the fact that they were prepared to pay for it, but it wasn't in my industry. There's lots of things that, well, not having a hotline directly into the managing director, not having reinforcement with the training, which for me is is, is an absolute must. But I know that there are sales training companies out there that will charge a fortune just for a a one-day event. And these are all the things I thought up front. Here's what I I don't want. I don't want it to be a a jack of all trades. I don't want it to be without any sort of reinforcement because I was bothered about the result. And I did want this. I did want a win-win scenario where the the businesses that I work with, I I almost become, I suppose the way I position it is like like an interim sales director rather than just a trainer. Nobody wants to buy training. And I I learned that very quickly. Nobody wants to buy a trade. They want the solution. That's right. They want the benefits. They they, they want the results. And I go back to those three things. It has to increase their live trading accounts or their their customers, as some people. It has to impact the sales figures, and it has to impact the profit margin. So there's a lot that I know. There's a lot of content that I've got that I'll probably never use again because it doesn't fall in line with those three things, management training being one of them. I do very little management training now because – uh, people, pe- it's
0: on your website, isn't it? You've got management development as an offering, um, sales development, and sales coaching.
1: That's right. Yeah, I quickly realised that management and management development is 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 a nicety to a lot of business. I mean, it's not. It's really important. There's a huge difference between selling and managing. And I'm sure there's lots of manager trainers out there that are thinking, "What's he talking about?" But in in my industry, I'm I'm targeting pain. I want, I want these guys to already be in a position of pain about the amount of new accounts they're getting or the the stagnant sales revenue. And really with, with management training, it's, it, it it's, for some it's viewed as a, a nice to have. So just eliminated it completely and focus purely on those three things. Um, each, each, each program is a module, if you like, So you've got three modules and with some clients, they're called module one, two, and three. So cold calling is module 1 and then upselling cross selling and increasing the average invoice order is 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 uh, module 2 and module 3 is about profit margin management and and time management and some of those softer skills with other clients they call the bronze the silver and the gold but really it's it's a similar product it's a similar product uh, because it's based purely around what people need versus what's a nice to have and what's a want
0: so you very clearly understood the industry the pains that people have that that you're training your consulting solves and who owns those pains who that tracks back to which is managing directors people who can actually say then it's my decision to bring adam in so right now you're doing a lot of training face-to-face so it sounds to me like a lot of your time now is almost it's the run rate stuff it's it's this constant in the classroom face-to-face stuff what are your plans to sort of scale you without bringing in more people you talked about that when we last.
1: yeah that, this is a must-have for me so the, the as as I'm entering year two now this is going to be a bit of this is going to be a primary focus is the pivot into into scale um because it is I, I think year one was about survival and I ended up doing more than that I'm a bit more than survive I ended up getting into the thrive stage but it's requiring a lot of my time and it's requiring a lot of my effort. And I'm in a position now where I'm doing more service delivery of the product, the modules that I'm talking about, the sales training versus the acquisition. And I know that that can be a dangerous thing and you can be working too much in the business, the day-to-day stuff, doing the training as I've done today, uh, or you can work more on the business, which is what I, I need to do. I need to work more on the business. And at the moment, I'm very wrapped up in it. So I've got a couple of ideas for that. The, the, the electrical industry isn't just big in the UK, it's international. I've got experience of in, as an employee traveling to other countries and delivering the same stuff over there that works here. Uh, and that was that 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 the result of that was very good. So I know it's portable and I know there's an opportunity for international work. Uh, particularly in places like America and Australia, the, the electrical market is, is giant. Yeah, it's ginormous over there. And so that's one option. The other option I've got is, to, um, and this is the one I've spoke to you recently about, is the quit or the, the the prevention of the time for money. So if I if I know what people want, it's to provide a solution that doesn't necessarily require me to always be there and my way of thinking of that at the moment I mean talks with a developer about this is to create my own app which will be available on you know the usual iOS and Android sort of thing yeah and this would be a bolt on to the modular training that i deliver um and eventually could be a i suppose almost like a, a subscription where i can the the the, the the challenge that I have with salespeople at the moment is that salespeople don't often pay for their own training. They they rely on the businesses doing it, and it's a B two B transaction. It's a B, it's a B two B transaction, and of course, you can B two B level. You can charge more than you can at B two C, for instance. Uh, so, if I was to uh, make make a product, say the app that was available directly to my end user, which is the salespeople themselves, I'd need something that was priced at the right point. I'd need something that can have a community inside it. I'd need something with some gamification, the audience that I tend to deliver sales training to somewhere in the region between 20 20 and 30. And I'd need something accessible um, and I'd need a place to house all the content. So I looked at lots of different options, membership sites and subscription services and uh, teachable and these are these are platforms that house courses and I know, but I know a lot of people doing that. I thought well one thing someone's not doing a lot of is is creating their own app. Of course, I'm not a developer, uh, not <laughs> technically gifted whatsoever. I wouldn't have a clue where to start with how to create an app, um, and I assumed it would cost a lot of money and be a big big expense. But there are companies out there that will do the heavy lifting for you. They'll they'll provide you with developers. And rather than paying an astronomical eye watering upfront free, they might do this on a on a monthly basis. So that's that's where I'm at at the moment.
0: So it sounds like you're renting your app in a way. they're they're developing it and you're paying an annual or a monthly subscription
1: kind of yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't know that. if you were if you were the end user, it'd be branded. everything would be branded as me. so you, you would assume that it is my app um i think there's only one place you would know that and that's if you if you go on the if you go on the app store where all the reviews are and the star rating is i think if you scroll right to the bottom it, it says the name of the developing team that's done it for you rather than your company name if that makes sense but i can't imagine many people Checking. I can't imagine many people being bothered as long as long as the result is there, and as long as the the content and the community is good. Enough. That's a
0: nerdy question for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 yeah. I mean, it's it's neither here or there for me. Uh, but I can imagine for some people that they might just want their name and their complete ownership over it.
0: Okay, so in in twenty one, you have gone from let's say negligible earnings to a good hundred k year. You're now pretty clear on what the market needs, your branding, your niche. Um, you have done loads of face-to-face training, and you're coming to the point now where you want to scale. And one of the things you're thinking of doing is perhaps making yourself more scarce, um, but delivering value as a, with a bolt-on or an add-on through your app, which allows people then to... So you, are you selling this on its own? Would you think of doing that? Or would this have to be a bolt-on or add-on to your face-to-face training?
1: Both. So, yeah. So if I, if I bolt this on, I suppose the good thing about that is you then have the option to white label it and brand it as your clients. So from my client's perspective, they get the option then of saying, Hey, we've got our own, uh, we don't just have our own sales training. We've got our own sales training app. You know, it's accessible anywhere when you're out on the road seeing prospects or when you're at home chilling and you're bored or whatever, you've got a sales trainer in your pocket at all times with a small bit of access to me as well. Uh, Or if it was my own, up and it was my own branded then it would be um it would be my you know th- th- it would be my community
0: so that's your second uh, parallel income stream almost passive income in fact
1: almost passive yeah i mean the more the more access they get to me changes the pricing point and i want this to be affordable and something that cuz there are there are some people out there that would consider selling as a profession as it should be considered i know the stigma of it through the years is has changed and put people off, but it, it is a profession. It's it's hugely important to any, well, to the, to the entire economy, really. So it's, it's a really important profession, and there are some people out there that care enough about it to improve, um, and there are people out there that want to impact. I mean, the great thing about the sales profession, and you'll know this yourself, Mark, is somebody can influence their own earnings quite easily. As in, the more they put in, the more they will take out.
0: And that's so true for people in your shoes and my shoes, people who are actually selling their own services, expertise in the form of programs, workshops, coaching, training, facilitation. Mm.
1: It is. I mean, I'm talking about this from a sales training perspective, but it it really is viable for any industry, whether you're some sort of fitness instructor or yoga teacher or perhaps you're...
0: Or relationship or, you know, or in our world, people listening to this would be, you know, resilience trainers, leadership trainers, tech trainers, people who are... Uh, facilitating workshops for strategic thinking and companies, design thinking. You know, there's a whole bunch of people out there. Training and facilitation is a very broad church. Um, As we look at the future then, what are your plans around the corner apart from the app? Um, Just give us a couple of ideas. Maybe one last thing, Adam, after that is, what would you say to someone in your shoes right now, as you were a year ago?
1: So, what are my plans after the app? Um, The... the Uh, I mean, COVID's restricting some of this at the moment, but international to to take the brand international. I'm in a very fortunate, fortunate position where, um, I don't have to be limited to a geographical area. Um, the industry is a worldwide industry. So all all these are great signs. If you want to take a brand international, and that's going to take some time. And I'm looking at around two years to do, I'm not in a rush to do anything. I'd look at what I've achieved so far and by no means I still make a lot of mistakes. I still get a lot of things wrong. There's a lot of hindsight moments to me where I look back and think, "Oh, why did I do that? Or I should have done it differently. And, and that sort of leads into what I would say to other people really is there's don't be in a rush would be tip number one. I mean, it's, as tempting as it is to think, Oh my God, I've got two months rent or two months mortgage and then I've got to replace my income. I think, doing things that way isn't necessarily the right way. get crystal clear on who it is that you want to serve, but even more important, get clearer than that on who you don't want to serve. Um, look for reasons why you should disqualify someone rather than qualify them in because if you look for all the reasons why you shouldn't work with someone, if you do that if you, if you do that effectively enough, you'll only be left with the reasons why you should. Uh, so you, don't let the, don't let your current situation so going back to the challenges I had, Money was just one of them. Of course, I'm used to having nice company cars as an employee, and all of a sudden that was gone. I was stripped away. So I was car sharing Lauren Mafiance's uh, Audi A1, and there were some laughs and some jokes about that, and you know, saying that the resident hairdresser's here in his Audi A1, <laughs> you know, things like that. Uh, so it, it isn't. It, it pre- the pressure isn't just a financial pressure. It's it's a lot more than that. That the friends and family. I suppose a tip would be. <laughs> Don't listen to them, if if I'm honest, because I found that the, 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 a lot of the advice I was given was from, particularly my dad, who said, "When you're going to get a job, you need to get a safe and secure job." And I can understand why he would say that, but I was thinking, no, that you know there is legs in this. I can see it. Um, I've got a plan. I've got a vision. I've got more than a vision. I, you know, everything's in place. It's easy to do nothing when you work for yourself. So motivation. Motivation was key, and and that's why I set myself the target. Really, particularly at the start, of trying to speak to three people that would buy my stuff. So three MDs in the electrical industry uh, a day, and as 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 quick as I could do that, I could then go and do something else. But if you know, like I said to you earlier, if it took three hundred calls, then that's what it took. So (sighs) I suppose I had to learn the difference between just being a sales trainer and then being a business owner. So that opens up things like banking, accounting, profit and loss, and all things you've never had to consider. Yeah.
0: business planning. Yeah, you
1: never had to consider that. Getting a business bank, you know, and the high street banks wouldn't touch me at all. They wanted blood, it felt like, at the time. So finding things that are online, doing research on making things easier, just try and find the path, really, of least resistance. Self-worth, this was the big one. Um, I think because I'd been an employee for so long, I had a pound note figure in my head of what I was worth a month rather than what am I worth in terms of the value that I'm giving. So, so, so like I said, with the, with the, doing the cold call clinic, which I was told not to do, you know, you shouldn't do that. It's too daunting. You shouldn't put salespeople on the spot. They won't like it. They'll cry about it. They'll leave. Um, it's never been done before we we don't usually make the classroom a live environment, but that was very much me i was I was like an entrepreneur whilst I was an employee and, and there 's a name for that I now know it 's called the intrapreneur where you 're thinking like a business owner but actually you you're employed and you 've got the safety net of a salary. It just so happens that that salary was 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 what was holding me back, and it was only when things like yeah it was only when things like oh by the way that was a 30 grand lighting job that we got from that factory in in the city and the feedback was coming back to me i thought holy crap you know these i knew it I, i knew it anyway or guessed it but now to have that set in stone was right this this changes the value of what i'm doing completely i think if you believe in what you're doing enough then you'd be doing a disservice not To charge for it. And it's interesting because when I started, I just wanted to get a client as as soon as possible. I probably, well, I definitely did undercharge them. That's because I didn't know my value. I didn't really understand the the full value at that point, or maybe I wasn't measuring it as strictly as what I measure ROI of training now. But I found, and I don't know if this is the same with you other listeners, I found that the lower spending clients can actually sometimes be more of a headache than the biggest spending ones.
0: That's what they say. They say, you know, fire at the bottom 10% of your customers every year. That's what I've been told. You know, if you, if, you, if you think of the 80-20 rule, you've got people, it's, you know, it's never exactly 80-20, but the Pareto principle suggests that 80% of your income comes from 20% of your customers. That's not far off the truth for me. Um, the people who then tend to be the more picky, spend less, have more questions, push back more, pain to organize, and to deal with often are the ones that pay the least. And for some reason, there's a there's a truth right through that statement. Never exactly 80-20, but it's somewhere in that ballpark where you think, you know what, this is more trouble than it's worth. I want to fire this customer. And I think people have said to me, they rarely do this, but when they do it, they feel great. You know, fire that customer. I'd rather, I'm used to being, you know... People might say, I'm used to being fired or being told my services are no longer required. They found a better trainer or consultant, cheaper, more experienced, blah, blah, blah. But when you've got the power to say, you know what? I've got the choice. I think I'm going to fire this customer in a nice way, in a nice way, um, for good reasons. I'm not, don't think that right now I'm the person to help you anymore with the rest of your journey. Here's what I suggest. Here are a couple of people I think who could be very good for your brand, something like that. You can change the wording, but uh I I th- I could see that happening for you, where you you realize, you know what, I've I've grown now beyond this client. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I, I've tried to find, and I don't think there's any mathematical genius behind this. I've just tried to almost adopt the approach of if somebody's willing to pay you something three times, up it.
0: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. If someone's willing to pay you three times, increase the price.
1: Yes. Yeah, if someone's going to pay you three t- three times a set rate, for instance, then that rate needs to be higher. And I've, I've st- done that, and I'm still doing that because, um, again, it goes back to my money concept of that time. My money concept was was not good, and if your money. Concept isn't good, then that will translate whenever you deliver a proposal or you're on a sales meeting or you, you're just talking about money. And this was this was mainly at the start, but as it's as you do it more and as you get the experience, you understand that actually looking at the results or looking at the bottom line or whatever your listeners are measuring, really it should have been it should have been higher. So I don't really know where that came from. I don't know if somebody told me to do. It. I don't know whose advice I received, or it's just something that's helped me in confidence, you know, I've never done it after the first one and I've never done something crazy like double it. <laughs> um, but increments of, of, three. And I know, I know to the bigger corporates, they tend to do it January every year. Don't they? And I think it's about 5% that they'll put it up. They'll put prices up regardless, but something
0: no, like that. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. For,
1: for me starting out solo brand, solopreneur, so to speak, I've just looked for this, for this rule of three. I do think knowing your, knowing your worth is different to what it is that you charge
0: and now that you've had that great year 100k year behind you it's given you the confidence to say you know what there is actual reason to increase my prices I can be of more value to better people or to better cl- paying clients with with bigger
1: problems you can you can you can yeah and 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 that comes with um, that comes with time I think and it comes with time and it comes with experience but if you can shortcut that do it. And like I said, I don't know where that rule of threes come from, but it's been worth it for me. I'm going to put
0: this on your head and say, this is Adam's (laughs) tip. This is from Adam. (laughs) Adam, where can people find out more about you then?
1: Probably LinkedIn. I do have a website, but if I'm honest, I don't use it for much other than people who want to go away and do a bit of research and make sure I'm real or I'm credible, or occasionally I can take card payments for it. But other than that, I don't feel like the website serves me that well. Um, So I'd say, I'd say LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the place that I hang out the most uh, try to be consistent
0: but that's it that that's the natural thing um i used to i've just done one myself i used to try and eliminate them i have to reduce them i'm okay with the guest doing that when i'm doing it myself it sounds a bit strange but you know having done a hundred and something episodes right now but no that was fantastic yeah
1: thank you so much for having me cheers mark
0: My sincere thanks to Adam for being my guest this week, for sharing that wonderful story. I got a huge kick out of listening to Adam tell that story, and I'm really delighted that he shared that story with you today on the Training Business Podcast. There are loads of great episodes like this one lined up. Please tell me what you would like from the show. I love listening to your story and finding out what you're struggling with, what you're looking to achieve, and what you're doing to get there, because this is a community. This is all about helping people like you and Adam and the rest of us out there to develop our businesses, develop our brands, make a business out of training, not just a passion, and to have fun and learn things on that exciting journey. Because I think it's a privilege to do what we do as facilitators, as coaches, as consultants and trainers. And for that reason, I'd love to hear from you. Please contact me via mark at trainingbusiness.com and let me know what you think about the show. I'm open to content, to feedback, to criticism, to critique, to advice. If you've got some great ideas for episodes and content, please keep those coming. You can find every episode, past, present, and future on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many, many more. And I'd love you to subscribe because this really helps to boost the rankings of the show and helps to spread the message. And if you know of people who are out there in the training business who love talking about training, but more importantly, the business of training, the business of developing a brand and selling our programs and skills to people who pay for that development then please let them know that the show exists you will find a podcast episode on your podcast platform every single week if you subscribe without fail at no cost to you so please please do that for me a small favor subscribe to the show tell other people about the show and please come back again next week so until next thursday when i look forward to your company again keep selling keep going bye for now once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.